0: Hey, Harrison here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. We're in part two of our series, Chosen. Just so you know, we lost the very first part of this message due to some technical difficulties. But don't worry, most of it is here. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, enjoy. Bitterly and fiercely persecuting Christians. Nero had a hate on for Christians. And so what he would do, anyone that was followers of Christ, if he found out, if he got word of it, he would persecute them. He would send them out into wild animals to be ripped apart by beasts. Historians say that Nero hated Christians so much, he would literally, if he caught them, light them on fire and use them to light his garden. That's a whole new type of decoration. Burning people. Christians today think they're persecuted when someone disagrees with them on Facebook. (laughs) But this is what real persecution looked like uh, back then. Uh, And so this is the backdrop for the letter that is being wrote. And Paul himself, as he's writing this letter, he is in prison. He's in prison. Why? Because he was preaching about Jesus. And so he's in prison, awaiting to find out what his fate was. Last week, we told you guys that Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, used to be a murderer of Christians. Now, but now, someone say, but now. But now, now Paul is writing to encourage Christians because every God story has a but now. Every God story has a but now. And so now he's writing to encourage Christians Christians, but he's in prison. Some of you guys, when you picture prison, you picture things you've seen on TV. You're picturing oranges and the New Black. This is not what prisons looked like back then. If you guys stick around next week, we would love for you to come back. I'm going to show you a picture, maybe even a video of the very prison that Paul was in. If you don't come back next week, there's no way you can see that picture. It's not on Google, so don't try it. But Paul's in prison, and he's encouraging Timothy. He's encouraging this young man named Timothy. And now, last week, I basically just told you Timothy was young. And what you need to know is Timothy was someone that accompanied Paul on his missionary journeys. He was young, and he was timid, but he was thrust into this position of leadership. And so Paul is is writing to encourage him, and Paul is writing with a sense of urgency. Because he knows at this time to be a Christian wasn't the best thing your fate was practically sealed that's why in second timothy chapter 4 paul says as for me my life has already been poured out as an offering to god the time of my death is near i fought the good fight i finished the race and i have remained faithful now a lot of people they recite this verse and they say i hope one day i can say i have fought the good fight i finished the race um and I'm, I'm not here to give you inspiration for your next tattoo, but if that's the one you want, like, it's a good one. But uh, what I want us to see is that Paul knows that the end of his life is near. And so all the words that he says to Timothy, he's saying them with a sense of urgency because he knows he doesn't have much longer. Last words are important. If you could only say something to someone one last time, you would choose carefully what you're able to say. And so Paul chooses carefully To encourage Timothy. Last week we looked at Paul's greeting. Today we're gonna look at the introduction. So Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now, the part I want us to look at this morning as we begin is the part where Timothy says, where Paul says, I thank God for you, the God I serve, with a clear conscience. The God I serve with a clear conscience. If you're with us last week, I told you guys that Paul himself was a murderer. He killed people. He literally killed people. I'm not sure there's anything more heinous than taking away life from someone else. But what the Bible says is that Paul was a murderer, yet now Paul here... He's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, I thank God, and I serve God with a clear conscience. We're speaking about being chosen. I told you guys last week that every single one of us is chosen by God. We are picked for a purpose. He has something special, ordained, something planned for your life. The problem is a lot of us hear that we are chosen, but we have a difficult time believing that we are chosen. And a part of the problem, a part of the reason that we can't believe that we are chosen is because when we leave this place, after we hear those words, we go back into real life. And we are reminded of who we are. We're reminded of who people say we are. We're reminded of our past. We're reminded of our failures. We're reminded of our sins. And friends, what I want to suggest this morning is that it is impossible to serve God without a clear conscience. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yet Paul here, who's a murderer, is able to say, I can serve God with a clear conscience. Because Paul knows we cannot serve God if our conscience is not clear. I'll I'll illustrate it to you guys like this. When I was 16 years old, 16 or 17, uh, a group of friends and I, we were at a liquor store. You guys are like, what were you doing at a liquor store when you were 16 or 17? Don't judge me, you guys have all done things. And uh, while we were at this store that sells adult beverages, underage, uh, I was driving my friend's car, and I backed his car into a pole. And, uh, fresh new driver, what can you say, still uh, still on my record. Um, And I backed his car into the pole, and uh, I didn't just do a little bit of damage, I did $5,000 worth of damage. Like, I don't know how fast I was going, I was trying to peel out of there before anyone could see us, and... uh, So the problem was this. We had to confess to it because we're 17, 16 years old. We don't have any money. So we can't just fix this. We have to confess to it. The problem was we were at a liquor store and we were underage. And so we had to come up with a plan. And so we decided to say that we were at Wendy's. And I backed my car into a pole at Wendy's. And uh, this was a a really brilliant story. Um, And so this is the story that we told uh, our parents. This is the story I told my parents. And I'll tell you that week of keeping this story going was one of the worst weeks of my life. Um, because every single time I saw my parents, I knew that I was lying straight to their face. And it was, it was extremely difficult. And every single time I looked at them, I felt Guilty. I was filled with this guilt. And things went from bad to worse because one day we were driving and my brother's in the car with this big mouth and we drive by Wendy's and he's like, hey, let's go to Wendy's and you show us the pole that you backed the car into. And I'm like, let's not. He's like, no, let's go. And so like my mom peels in there. And uh, we get into the Wendy's parking lot and uh, to my surprise, there's really not a pole anywhere in sight. The nearest pole to Wendy's was like literally like in the middle of, it was like a giant parking lot. This is on uh, 170th Street, kind of by Michaels and Staples, if you know that area. So it's a big parking lot, and there's literally not a pole anywhere near Wendy's. Uh, And so I actually saw a pole in the distance, because they're like looking around like, I don't see a pole. And I'm like, yeah, that's the pole. That's it right there. And they're like, why'd you park so far from Wendy's? And I was like, we wanted exercise, Mom. We are about to have a double cheeseburger. <laughs> just get off my back. Um, and, and as I, lo- <laughs> I look back on that week, like it was, I, and I'm not joking you, like all jokes aside, it was one of the hardest weeks of my life because my conscience was eating away at me. Because every time I saw them, I knew that I was lying to them. Every time the phone rang, I thought the police were calling. And it was, it was just, it was terrible. And so when I say that it's impossible to serve God without a clear conscience, it is sort of like that because so many of us, we are filled with things like guilt because of what we've done. We say things like, well, if God knew my past, God couldn't use me. If God knew what I did last week, if God knew what I did last night, it would disqualify me from service. Harrison, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not chosen. Other people are, I'm not chosen. It's impossible to serve God without a clear conscience. So I raised the question again: how could Paul, the murderer, how could he say I serve God at the clear conscience? Here's the thing, friends. The answer is extremely, extremely simple, and it's one word. It's grace. It's grace. The only way we are able to serve God with a clear conscience is because of grace. You're like, what's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is getting something you do not deserve. And so Paul says to Timothy in the verse before, I don't have it here, but he says, I thank God for his grace, for his mercy, for his peace, because we cannot serve God without grace. And so Paul is trying to make a point to Timothy because there is something in this young pastor, this young preacher named Timothy that is holding him back from serving God wholeheartedly. There's something that's holding him back because Timothy believes I am not qualified to serve God because of my past, because of what I've done, because of the mistakes that I have made. But Paul is saying, and he's reminding Timothy, he's like, hey, I serve God with a clear conscience, and so can you. And so can you. Friends, the point that, that, that Paul is trying to make to Timothy is that your past doesn't have to be your path. Your past doesn't have to be your path. You see, so many of us let mistakes that we made in the past define how we move forward. And we can't move past our past. And it comes up and it creeps up on us. And, and when I say things like, man, you're chosen. You're chosen. God does not pick you because of your pedigree. You can't believe it. You don't believe it because you have chosen your past to become your path. And I hear it all the time. And I hear what it is like when people believe this is just who I am. And you guys may relate because you probably heard it too. Maybe you've said some of these things. Well, you know, I always just rush into things. That's just who I am. I always seem to just just put my heart out to everyone, and, and, and I can't really control it. I know that I shouldn't be in these relationships, but that's just who I am. And we let these choices we've made in the past define who we are in the present. But what Paul is saying to Timothy, and what Paul is saying to us, is our past doesn't have to be our path the things that you have done before don't have to define who you are. I wonder who here this morning has defined who they are by a choice they made in the past. Because the, the beauty of grace, the beauty of forgiveness is that when we are forgiven, all is forgotten. And this is extremely difficult for us to believe, but it's, it's written all over the Bible. That's why by Paul in 1 Corinthians, another book that he wrote, he was able to say that anyone who is in Christ Anyone, anyone, what does it say? Anyone that is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, but the new is here. The old has passed away. Paul is saying you're not who you used to be. When you're in Christ, the old is gone and the new is here. Friends, the Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful to forgive us. And what forgiveness means is that we are literally Set free. God doesn't remember it anymore. The whole point of forgiveness is freedom. There's someone in this room, you don't believe that God has forgiven you because you're not free. When you believe that someone has forgiven you, it sets you free. One more verse, Hebrews, it puts it uh, even more eloquently. Eloquently, It says, for he, speaking of Jesus, made one sacrifice and he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So what it means is when we accept it, Jesus changes who we are. He's making us holy. At the end in verse 17, he adds, then sin and lawless acts, I will remember no more. I will remember no more. I will remember no more. I wonder who here is holding on to something that God's already forgotten about. We can't forgive ourselves, but I'm here to tell you that when we confess to Jesus, he forgives us on the spot. He literally doesn't remember it. And that's the beauty of good news. The beauty of being chosen is that when God chooses you, he chooses you. He doesn't choose your mistakes. He doesn't choose your past. He doesn't even remember them. And so there's something that Timothy has in his life that is holding him back. He's not able to serve with a clear conscience, and so Paul has to remind him. Friends, the only reason I am up here is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. The only way I am eligible to speak is because of God's forgiveness and his grace, and he's forgiven me. And some of you guys are like, well, Harrison, you were 17. I hope you're over that. But friends, I have done things this week that should disqualify me from being used by God. But when I ask for forgiveness, when I say, God, just make me new, he makes me new. I'm not who I was. You are not who you are. There's someone here this morning that needs to be set free because you're holding onto something. You're holding onto a label. Maybe it's something that someone said that you are. Maybe it's a mistake that you made, but you're holding onto it and you're letting it define who you are. But God is telling us this morning that he doesn't remember. He forgets. That's beautiful. Your past doesn't have to be your path. And so Paul is trying to give advice to Timothy because Paul knows he doesn't have much longer. And he doesn't want Timothy to waste his life, to waste his influence because he believes he's not qualified to be served. And so he says this, Paul says, I remember your genuine faith for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So Paul is saying to Timothy saying, "I know that faith is in you, you have it. What is faith? Faith is things that we cannot see. It's believing when we can't see it. It's believing that God doesn't see us, how we see ourselves. He doesn't define us how people define us. Timothy had let so many voices into his head, so many opinions, you're too young, you're too unqualified. He was beginning to disqualify himself for service. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, that same faith is in you. It's been there for generations, and that is why I remind you, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Fan into flame. You see, friends, what this means is every single one of us, there is something that God has given us. And for the context of this morning, I believe that God has given all of us grace. Grace to move forward, grace to be used. But the thing is, the problem is, a lot of us leave this place and we forget it. Because we let so many different voices come into our minds, so many different opinions of so many different people. And so we're clouded, we can't remember what God says about us, who God says we are. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that all of us have two voices in our heads. If you have more than two, get that checked out. But there's a voice that says you are enough, you're loved, you're valuable, and there's a voice that says you are not good enough. You will never be enough. You're a failure. And I think if we're being honest, all of us have heard that other voice. All of us have heard it. I love you guys, but a little bit too early. Can we give the worship team a round of applause again? They're just just on it. I just don't want you guys standing up there for so long. Um, What was I talking about? Two voices. I don't know what voice they heard there. I'm just joking. I love you guys. Um, But too many of us have listened to the wrong voice. Uh, And let me try to get back on track here. Don't feel bad. Don't. The sermon is just ruined. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, I'm like just, I'm literally like blank. This has never happened in my life. Um, <laughs> Paul is telling Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God has given him. It's the gift of faith. Faith. Right? And so there's two voices. Paul is trying to be that voice that is speaking truth. He's saying, Timothy, you have faith. Timothy, you are good enough. But what Timothy had been doing was Timothy was feeding the wrong voice. Timothy was letting opinions of people that did not matter become the predominant voice in his life, and something had told him he was not good enough. He was not qualified. And so what God wants us to ask this morning, the question I want us to ask is this. In your life, which flame are you feeding? Which flame are you feeding? Because every single one of us has that fire within us, that voice that says, man, you are so good, you are so valuable, and I believe that is the voice of God. The problem is, a lot of times we feed the wrong voice. We're feeding the wrong flame. We're listening to that voice that says you're not good enough, you're not valuable, and so many people I know this to be true, they value their worth, they value their worthiness on things that do not matter. Things that do not matter. People are valuing their their, their self-worth on how many likes they can get on Instagram. That doesn't matter. Those people, half those people that like you, you don't even know them. Like my last picture, I had 88 likes. That's amazing. I need more followers. I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't have 88 friends. I don't, and so why am I putting stock into, into things that don't matter? Because I don't even know that many people. Friends, God is asking us, which fire are you feeding? So many of us are, are taking love lessons from, from Cosmo instead of the God who is love. And so we have these twisted opinions on ourselves, these twisted opinions on our worth, because we're feeding the wrong flame. I went to, we went to a comedy show this last week. Uh, we're going to one again tonight. That's all we do, I guess, is comedy shows. Uh, and uh, it was the, the comedy show that we went to, uh, the, the, the crowd that night. It was, like, predominantly older people and older couples and then us. And so uh, the comedians, there was three of them working to their crowd. They made tons of marriage jokes because people that are married for a long time love nothing more than marriage jokes because gets them through. And uh, these comedians were super funny, and, and they had a lot of funny things that they were saying about marriage. And they were saying things like, man women uh, they do everything for their men, so, so men can be become so self-reliant on them. They can't live without them, and so therefore they can't cheat because they won't know what to do without them. And just a lot of jokes. It was better when they said it. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, I have a great deal of respect for comedians because like when, when a joke falls flat, they got to tell another joke. When one of my jokes falls flat, I talk about Jesus, and so we're good. <laughs> and so, uh, in this commute, in this in this show, they made tons of marriage jokes, and they were funny, and uh, a lot of times like they were just making fun of things that were true. But I was just thinking, what if I left that show, and I based everything that I do in my marriage on what a comedian said? What if that was all the advice I took from a comedian? And I was like, Chris, like I know what we were doing before, but we're going to look at what this guy said and that's how we're going to live our life. You'd be foolish. You'd be stupid. But so many of us do this with other things. We're taking stock from things that don't matter. We base our opinion on television. We base our opinion on what people say about us. So many of us are so worried about what our coworkers think of us, what our classmates think about us. But these are people that don't matter in your life. And so the question that Paul is asking Timothy, saying, which fire are you feeding? For a lot of us, one of the worst things that we do is we let our emotions dictate us. We let how we feel tell us what we are worth. Can I tell you something? Your emotions change every single day. So it's good if you're having a good day, because it's like, man, I'm so good. But if you're having a bad day, you're not going to feel very worthy. If you're having a sad day, you're not going to feel very worthy. But I know so many people that live their lives based on emotions. But our emotions are changing. Our emotions are fleeting. And so what I'm saying, what we need to do, how do we take stock? How do we know what God feels about us? We have to feed the right flame. Paul is telling Timothy, fan into flame the gift that I have given you. In other words, start letting things into your life that actually belong into your life. You see, one of the reasons we have worship, one of the reasons we sing these songs that Jesus makes the darkness tremble is so we can speak life into ourselves, into each other, because so many of us have filled ourselves with lies, with things that don't matter. But Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, fan into flame, feed it. Friends, I, I, I don't know if you guys see this, but I am being overwhelmingly positive today, but I'm doing it intentionally because if no one else is telling you in your life, you are worthy, you are loved, God has a plan for you, there's going to be other voices in your head that aren't from God. And you will start to believe, maybe I'm not chosen. Maybe I'm not good enough. And friends, the result of feeding the wrong flame is always fear it's fear. That's why Paul says, and he says to Timothy, he says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. What Paul is saying, if you don't feel power in your life, if you don't feel like you're good enough, you've been feeding the wrong flame because God has not given you that spirit. That spirit does not come from God. And I'm speaking to someone's life right now because I know there is someone who's been feeding the wrong flame. And the reason I know it is because I do it all the time. I feed the wrong flame all the time. And I'm telling you guys, as a pastor, as someone that prepares messages every single week, there's a voice in my head that says, this isn't very good. No one wants to hear this. No one needs to hear this. And I'll tell you, sometimes I I, I listen to that voice. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No one does want to hear this. And what happens is I become very fearful because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm speaking in four days. But here's the perfect way to know if you're confused, like I don't know what voice I'm listening to. If that voice you're listening to gives you a spirit of of fear, it's not from God. It's not from God. The voice of God gives us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And that that voice of God says, you are good enough. You are enough. That word I gave you, someone needs to hear it. That's the only reason I preach with power is because I'm feeding the right voice. If I fed that other voice, I would sit up here on this stage and I would curl up into a ball. And I'm like, why is it so quiet? No one likes it. But I'm trying to feed the right voice. Feed the right voice. Friends, the the essence is this. You guys can come up now. You are enough. You are good enough. You are valued. You are loved beyond words. And this is why in the introduction, Paul is telling Timothy this. He's saying you are loved. You are enough. All those things that you think have disqualified you, God has forgotten them. God has thrown them away. He has made us as white as snow. I want to encourage someone here this, this morning that you're holding on to something. You can't push, past, you can't get past it, you can't push it away. I just want to encourage you that God already has. And so all you have to do is release it. You are enough. God's not looking for someone else. He's not looking for a better person, someone that sins less, someone that hasn't been as married as many times as you, someone that hasn't failed, someone that hasn't had any struggles, any problems, someone that doesn't have any addictions. That's not who God is looking for. God is looking for you. Look to the person next to you. Say, not you. He's looking for me. Because a lot of times, we're looking at the person next to you and say, I think he's preaching to that person. No. God chose you. God chose you there's a lie that you believe that you need to throw it away because it's not from God this word I'm speaking to you right now I believe comes straight from God you are chosen you are loved you are valued I have a purpose I have a plan for your life a purpose and a plan I, I want to share this story because um, I think it will help someone oftentimes what we need in life is just simply perspective as a church planter which I am now the last three weeks uh, just there's a lot of voices a lot of doubt that goes through your mind like does anyone come does anyone make a difference does anyone even like this place um, and my friend from Calgary he's a pastor he's older than me um, and he called me and he just he asked me a question he said how's your soul that's how you know he's older than me he's asking questions like "How's your soul But then I just I was, I was just kind of sharing some, some doubts and some things that go through my mind. And uh, he said to me, he said, Harrison, you know what? He's like, I, I want to offer you some perspective. And I was like, go ahead. And he's like, man, he's like, you have a wife that loves you. He's like, you have a wife that is doing ministry with you. He's like, you have a church. He's like, and we've been averaging, give or take, around 70 people. And he's like, did you know that your church of 70 is bigger than 85% of churches in North America? And I was like, no. He's like, dude, and he's just, and he's, he's, passionate about it. He's like, you are blessed and highly favored. He's like, God is with you. There's no doubt about it. He's like, everything is falling into place. And he's like, Harrison, he's like, I hate this cliche. He's like, I hate when people say it. He's like, but it's true in your life. Are literally living the dream and I didn't even see it I didn't even see it because you see a lot of times as great as I say I am I feed the wrong flame and I'm not giving you this perspective to brag and say my life is great but I want you guys to know in this room you are living the dream there's someone out there that wishes they had your life that they wish that they had your gifts your talents Friends, God has chosen you for a purpose. God has a plan for your life, and you are enough. I can't speak directly into all of your life and and tell you specifically how blessed you are. But I know, I know that God has chosen you. That's why you're here this morning. And so I want to encourage anyone, everyone, to feed the flame. Fan the flame of God so we can work that spirit of truth into our lives so we can have that spirit of faith so we can start to believe that we are enough we are valued we are chosen by god if you're saying harrison i don't know how to do it where do i start how do i start to fan the proper flame growth track what's growth track growth track is a four-week course designed to help you discover your god-given purpose and your god-given potential You see, a part of what Growth Track does, we're trying to connect you to people in our church because we believe that people, specifically Christian people, they can speak life into you. We can speak life into each other. That's the the point of church, is to have people that can speak life into you. And so you can, all those things, all those lies that we believe, you can start to believe truth. So I encourage you after service every single week, it may not be for you this week, or next week, but we're, we're doing it always. Come to Growth Track. Find out what God has to say about you. Because God loves you, God values you, and God has chosen you for a purpose. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it and you want to connect with us, head over to kingdomchurch.ca or leave us a comment below. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time.